I might be a little misty-eyed today. This is a psalm. I saved my sister on her deathbed. <laughs> and she set the Lord, as Sean said, this wonderful me. Mom one set the Lord on her deathbed. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Next one is Romans 8 on page 1758. It is 31, 31 to 34. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he will also along with him, grace, along with him, grace to give us all things? Who will bring any change against those whom God charges those who God has chosen? He is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, buddy. Show and tell time. And I have a slide up. This is one of the shots from summer vacation. It's on a beach in Lake Michigan. I had a wonderful time there. We played bocce ball and we played horseshoes on the edge of Lake Michigan, the water lapping up on us. And we're just pitching the shoes. It was beautiful. Wonderful time out there. Next slide. Uh, one of the things I did this summer uh, was made sure I'd take some time to go hiking around the waterfalls. This just happens to be one of the waterfalls in the Hamilton area. Um, I think I got to probably 15, maybe 12, somewhere in there. I, I got to a lot of waterfalls around town this summer. Um, I, I find the waterfalls refreshing just to, to hear and listen to, um, but also to recognize that that these waterfalls have been, been carving and, and in some sense participating in creating the beauty of that environment uh, for a lot longer than I've been alive. Uh, and, and seeing uh, what's there and seeing the life that comes up around these waterfalls, uh, I find a lot of encouragement from, uh, and so I, I like to check them out in the summer times. Next one. This is our guinea pig. I spent some time this summer hanging out with our guinea pig. We, we took him in the backyard, and, and every now and then we let him run around in the backyard, um, and he likes it at first, and then very quickly makes his way back to his cage. He has an outdoor cage that he shares with, next slide, our bunnies. This is two of them. 
we did have one bunny die this summer. Um, we, it's a little bit hard. Um, but we have, we have a couple other bunnies. Uh, we have three bunnies who live outside. We have two bunnies that live in our house. Um, we like rabbits. And so I, I often will sit on the ground. The kids will sit on the ground too and we'll lay there and they'll run around us and sometimes over us and sometimes they come up and lick our nose and it's cute. It's adorable. Just All right, next slide. One of the things I also did, and this one doesn't come in quite as clear on the, on the big screen, but um, as I was hiking around, I took time to slow myself down and notice things that I normally wouldn't notice. And, and I wanted to, to make sure I was paying attention to the little things. And so this was a yellow flower that I saw all by itself. There were no other flowers in this area, and it was, it was kind of tucked under a couple other uh, bigger plants, and I just saw it there, and it fascinated me how this thing was growing, and, and there was a sense of life coming to it, and it was all by itself. Uh, next one. I saw this one, too, and you can see underneath it uh, some of the other flowers that aren't quite ready to, to blossom, uh, but what also caught my attention was just the intricate design and all the little pieces of the flower all put together in the middle and, and I, it, it caught my breath. I had to stop and go, wow, this is part of the world God has made. It is so intricately designed and created. There is wonder here. And sometimes we just need to pause and wonder. And, and so I did some of that this summer. Next slide. This is a snail. I was hiking uh, between Sherman Falls and Tiffany Falls, and this little guy was trying to make his way across the trail back there. It's a rocky trail. It, it winds up and down and all over the place. And, and I must have stood there for four or five minutes watching him make a progress of all of about three inches. Um, just a little bit little bit, little bit, um, and, and if, you, if you're able to see closely, he's got little specks and dots all over his back and up and down, not just on the shell, not just the shell or the Nautilus type design on it, but, but actually on his body. There's all sorts of design and pattern. Um, I had never noticed that about a, a snail before. Um, maybe other people have, but I haven't. Uh, and, and so it, it fascinated me, paying attention to it. And I think since I've seen that one, and, and that's really the first time I've seen a snail crawling across a path, I bet you I've seen five or six of them. The last two mornings as I've been walking, I've seen snails crawling across the path. I have no idea where they're coming from, um, but they're there. And all of a sudden, because I've paid attention to them, I'm starting to see them elsewhere. What we're going to be doing in the next few weeks, if you want to go to the next slide, Brandon, we're going to be spending some time as a congregation over the next four weeks around this core value. It's one of five core values for our church. It's generous stewardship. In gratitude for the gifts God has entrusted to us, we are committed to creatively empowering each member to engage the mission of the church with their wealth, time, and other resources this core value is also expressed in our commitment to generously collaborate with other churches and agencies as we work for Christ's renewal in our city and our world. Next one. That first line, 
is where we're going to slow down today. And it's actually what's behind that first line. In gratitude for the gifts God has entrusted to us. Before we can talk about generous stewardship and before we can dive into to living generously, we need to pause and recognize that God himself is a generous God. God who is generous. In some sense, we're, we're slowing down. We're, we're making the move that those pictures just did of, of kind of the big scenes down to smaller pieces, down to down to even the smallest little design on a snail's back and and we're going to pause and slow down and say whoa do we remember do we recognize how generous god really is got the slides went and i I shared this once before but i I went to a, a conference on worship last year uh, last January, end of January, start of February. And, and one of the preachers there, she was a powerful, powerful preacher. And, and she, she preached this sermon about God's generosity. And she related it to a passage in 2 Corinthians uh, 8 and 9 where, where Paul is admonishing the church and encouraging the church to be generous people. And as she's going through that passage, she went back to Genesis 1 and said, I need to retell the Genesis story. And as she's telling the Genesis 1 creation story, she starts saying, at the end of the first day, at the end of the first day of God's generosity, there was evening and there was morning. And she kept going through the rest of the creation account. And there was evening and there was morning on the second day of God's generosity. And then the third day of God's generosity and the fourth day of God's generosity and and she started drilling it into us that what the creation account is really telling us is not just the fact that God has made the world but it's revealing that God has a generous character that God's very character is one that wants to cause life to flourish to see a world that is, is teeming with life. It's an old English word we don't use too often, but I think it's beautiful. Teeming with life. God, who is generous. That is the beginning of the biblical account. It, it throws such a different picture on who God is. We live in a world where God is often portrayed as angry and vengeful and ready to destroy people. There, there is picketing that happens at funerals, people proclaiming to do this in the name of Christ and yell about what God doesn't like and about who God doesn't like and how God hates people. But that's not the biblical message. That's not the story of Scripture. That's not anywhere close to that first revelation of who God is that comes in Genesis 1. The first revelation of who God is 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 creator who generously gives life. This is who God is. Our first encounter with God in Scripture is a God who generously gives life. I wonder how much of a difference that would make for each of us if that's our first thought about God. If our first thought was God is generous. Not 
God's going to get me for this. Not, I'm in trouble with God. Not, I've got to please God. Not, I've got to find some way to make myself acceptable to God. Not, I've got to keep up with devotions and worship and all sorts of other things to make sure that I'm right with God. What if our first thought, our starting place, God, who is generous, I wonder how that would shape our imagination. I wonder how that would shape our interactions with others. I wonder how that would shape how we view ourselves as people who have been created in God's act of generosity. We live because God is generous. Some of you might say, but Chris, there's this thing called the fall. Sin came in. God was generous, but we decided to take that generosity and, well, run with it. Use it for ourselves. Take it for our own. And the biblical account does go there. It is completely true that in response to God's generosity, our first response is a selfish one. Take it. Possess it. Make life about us not about God, not about his life or his kingdom. But have you noticed God's responses all the way through that? The first response isn't a lightning bolt. first response is a compassionate question. Where are you? And right after that, after naming the sin and and the compassionate act of, of naming the Adam, Adam, what have you done? Have you eaten from that tree I told you not to? Have you taken my generosity and abused it? He turns around and he says, this is what's going to happen. I'm actually going to send you out of the garden, which you were supposed to do anyways. You're going to have kids, which you were supposed to be doing anyways. And you're going to fill the earth, which you were supposed to be doing anyways. You're going to cultivate life everywhere. God's generosity is that the things he created us for, the role he created us for, even in response to our sin and rebellion, the very thing he created us for, he still calls us to do. And then he says, but I'm going to enter this with you. It's going to come a day where I'm going to end the brokenness that's dividing us. I'm going to enter in and I'm going to make good on this promise. God's generosity is continuing And if you listen to the Old Testament story, there is a continual cadence in the midst of the brokenness of God showing up again and again and again. So when I was talking to about our our summer uh, sermon series that we did here on Old Testament prophets, and we were listening to those minor prophets, and their response was, you know what strikes me? Not how many times people turn away from God in Scripture but how many times God goes after them and draws them back. We can read the Old Testament through the lens of God is an angry God and he's disciplining his people. We can also read it as God is a generous God who forgives again and again, who reclaims his people again and again from their sinful ways, who goes after them and draws them back to himself. 
suggest if we're actually going to read Psalm 23, which, which Betty read for us, if we're going to read that in, a, in a, a light that fits its context, we need to understand that, that part of what the psalmist is expressing here is this experience of God's generosity grabbing hold of them and bringing them into new life bringing them into life that they weren't experiencing. The Lord, my shepherd, it's actually a case being made in the, the kind of the biblical studies here of this is not a nice po- uh, a poetic sentence here. Uh, we read it as the Lord is my shepherd and there's a case being made in the Hebrew around this that the best way to translate this is, Lord, my shepherd. So it's evocative. It's a calling out to God. It's a addressing God. It's not kind of this nice fairy tale romantic picnic on a, on a hillside. It's someone who is in anguish, crying out, Lord, my shepherd, I've got no wants. I need nothing. But a person who can cry that out in, in that vocative voice, who, who can cry out and say, Lord, my shepherd, I've got no wants. It's not someone who's had life handed to them on a silver platter. It's someone who's experienced emptiness and pain and brokenness and, and felt, felt that space where they could have said, I'm in terrible need. And been able to see and experience God provide them for them in the midst of their need. God's generosity showing up. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Think about, think about your own experience for a moment. What points do you talk about being refreshed? Do you come through a season of life where you're like, oh, life's good, life's good, Life's good. You don't usually say, I'm refreshed. You usually say, I'm refreshed after you've been through a very difficult season and then experience those spaces where it's calm and you feel yourself being restored because you've already been depleted. The psalmist, as he's describing entering the green pastures, literally the Hebrew word there is talking about the first green shoots of spring. It's a psalmist who's also saying, in saying those green pastures, I've just been through the cold barrenness of winter where everything was empty and I'm catching that first glimpse, that first smell of spring. And I'm realizing once again, God is good and generous. And those quiet waters, those quiet waters make sense when you've been in spaces of chaos. And everything around you feels kind of, kind of coming against you and you, you kind of feel in your head and in your body this, this overwhelmed sense and you get by those quiet waters and you go, there's oh. some act of God's generosity coming through in this psalm of God providing a space of peace, a season of peace again and again. And we could go line by line all the way through this psalm of God's generosity coming back to his people once after again after again. Just think of the one. I, 
walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You can't say that unless you've walked through it and you've experienced God's presence and generosity in the midst of it. This psalm is one of those psalms that with every phrase is proclaiming and declaring God is generous. God is generous. God is generous. It's a building crescendo throughout this psalm till at the end, sink, chesed, God's covenantal faithfulness is going to follow me all the days of my life. And the commentators pointed out it's not just follow along like a nice little puppy dog or in our case a guinea pig or a bunny does. It's pursue. And in almost every other case that that word is used in the Old Testament, it's used of an enemy pursuing another enemy. It's a kingdom outside of Israel pursuing Israel or it's Israel pursuing another kingdom. It's almost always used in this military conquest type setting where it should strike fear in our hearts. And the psalmist here flips that word on its head and says, no, it's God's hesed, God's covenantal faithfulness that is pursuing us because that's who God is. God is a generous God who is pursuing us with his blessings with his very person. God is after us. And that's a good thing. In the midst of Romans chapter 8, which we also heard read this morning, we come to this incredible space. It's a space where it's not denying the struggles in life. If you read just before this and just after this passage, they're talking about groaning groaning and interceding because the world doesn't make sense and we don't have enough words to explain what's going on or even to cry out. And just after this, there's a a confident proclamation that Paul makes that, that nothing in heaven and on earth can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's recognizing that the world doesn't make sense, that we're facing trials, that we're caught in the midst of brokenness, that we're, we feel it in our bodies. And in the middle of all of that, you get this declaration. This is verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God's response in the middle of our sin and in the middle of our brokenness and entanglement in a broken world, in the middle of this fall, is to continue his generous character, to give us his own son as a sacrifice for our sins, to to die for us while we were still his enemies, as Paul says earlier in Romans, to reconcile us to himself in Christ Jesus and, and in turn give us the ministry of reconciliation as Paul tells the Corinthians. And in all of that, what we see again and again and again is this generous character of God coming through. God, who is so generous, he didn't spare his own son to reconcile us, to draw us back to himself, to wrap us in his kingdom. That God will not fail to give us all good things. Before we can talk about being generous people, before we can talk about good stewardship 
and using our time and our, our talents and our treasure. That kind of, kind of alliteration way of saying all that we are and all that we have belongs to God. Before we can get there, we need to stop and slow down and say, oh yeah, we can do these things. And we can live generously, not out of some duty or obligation or way of making ourselves pleasurable to God, but because God has from the first moment of creation all the way through our fall and on towards the new heaven and the new earth been generous again and again and again. This is who God is. God, who is generous. Our next three weeks, we're going to talk about, so now what? If God is really generous, how do we live we're going to explore that in terms of, of the way we engage our time and our relationships with others and, and explore it in terms of how we, how we bend our gifts and our talents and our experiences towards, towards the flourishing of life throughout the world. And we're even going to talk about our money and how the gifts God gives us financially are meant to be served in his kingdom throughout the world. Before we get to all, we need to slow down. It's like paying attention to notice that there are little speckles on the back of a snail's back. To notice how intricately designed that snail is. That's part of what we're doing. As we slow down this morning and, and slow down in the next few minutes to taste the bread and to taste the juice we're slowing down so much that we're saying together, don't you remember? God is generous. God is generous. He is so good to us. This is where we begin. Let's pray. We live in a culture, Lord, that is so packed and so full, we so often say, I'm just too busy. We hear of problems and we hear of, of things going on in the world around us and, and our hearts cry out and our first response is, how do we fix it? How do we get in there and do something good? How do we change things? us to slow down. To have our first thought and our first response be to remember that you are generous and that you have already been at work in Jesus Christ changing things long before you generously gave us life. Help us to slow down and remember your goodness this morning. To taste it, to smell it, to feel it, to hear it, to proclaim it. God, who is generous, has loved us in Jesus Christ, has loved the world in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.